Welcome to episode number 60 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Kareem Taylor. Kareem is a writer and brand strategist, and he works with creative leaders to help them with tough challenges, so getting leads for their agencies, telling a story that resonates with their customers, helping them close new business, all through the power of communication and storytelling, of which he has a tremendous amount of experience. And Kareem is also the author of Get Your Life, The Transforming Power of Turning Fate into Fortune. He's helped companies repeatedly over the years, has so many insights on communication, on branding, on storytelling, and I'm so excited for you to check out this episode today. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show going over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and review. It takes all of a minute to leave a rating review, and I really, really, really appreciate that. Also, if you want to connect with other entrepreneurs and get some behind the scenes of this Just Go Grind podcast, how it's created, insights from it, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Just Go Grind and ask to join there. And without further ado, here is Kareem Taylor. Hope you enjoy this episode. Kareem, welcome to the show. Justin, thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to share your expertise and branding and writing and all the different things you do. There's so many components of it. So I'm excited to have you on the show and get this episode rolling. I am curious, you know, looking at, let's just say your LinkedIn, for example, says you're a writer and brand strategist. I think there's much more to that. But how did you get into writing brand strategy and all of this to begin with? Uh, about five years ago, I got an opportunity, got a call in New York asking me if I wanted to come to LA for a one-year apprenticeship program to teach up-and-comers how to write and produce promos for television commercials. So I basically dropped everything I was doing in New York, decided to come to LA and pursue that. So I did that for a year. And I really did that because I wanted to see if I could build skills writing and producing, period. So it just so happened to be for entertainment marketing clients like Amazon and not Amazon, but they ended up Amazon Studios, AMC, Turner Studios, whoever you name, I just wanted to see if I, yeah. could, I could make things for them. And so I ended up actually working in the production side and ended up loving the business development side with the, of in that world. And so I started creating all types of marketing materials and reels and all that stuff for the agency I was working for. And so people started asking me if I could do that for them and it wasn't necessarily agencies. And so I sort of just started consulting a little bit more and more. And then now that's what I do for different types of clients. That's awesome. And obviously, there's so many things about side hustles right now and people starting side hustles. And sometimes it goes into a full business, sometimes it doesn't. How long were you doing the consulting thing on the side before you really took it full time into your own thing? I would say it's been a five-year journey because when I first started, I can't say I definitely had a what I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I think... So I have to kind of take you back a little bit, I think, in order for this to make sense. So I'm a person who my background was in voiceover. So, you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with the strategy and stuff I'm talking about right now. So I actually got into entertainment marketing through voiceover. So about nine years ago in Atlanta, I was playing around with voiceovers and it turned out that people actually got paid to do that. So I said, you know what? <laughs> uh, I was in college at the time and I said, you know what? I'm actually going to move to New York and pursue this full time. So I graduated and uh, moved to New York, got signed with a very, very, the best talent agent you can get and hit the ground running. So four years into doing that in New York, uh, I had landed all types of commercials with people like CNN, Comedy Central, Taco Bell, 
all types of clients. And then I started feeling like I could offer, I could do more. So I started this sort of exploratory journey into figuring out what can I do? What else can I do with voice, storytelling, speaking? What else can I do? What are my capabilities if I was to think of myself like a business? And I started coming across this thing of storytelling. And I realized that I had already, I mean, I went to, got my degree in film and I just so happened to be doing voiceover, but I knew how to tell stories. And so I went on this journey. I actually went to a retreat in the middle of nowhere, uh, I call it, but it was in San Diego and Anza Borrego State Park and um, with a couple friends. And we basically stayed out there for like two nights, three nights with our tents up and ate freeze dried food and, you know, treated the water and, you know, had water from the mountains or whatever. And I came out of that experience like I know exactly what I'm here to do. And it helped me start thinking about really taking, really working with clients on a strategic level. So currently, basically, I help a lot of different types of clients and all different types of industries tell their story. And that really only came from that retreat where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take this in a different direction. Instead of trying to try many different things, it helped me to sort of hone in on what exactly what I wanted to do. For me, the most important thing is just to make sure I know what I think before I just start doing things. And that retreat helped me do that. And that actually helped me hone in on what direction do I actually want to take my life and my career? So came out knowing that. And I have to dive deeper into that because I'm really curious about the details always. And you say a retreat for three nights. I mean, what was it? Was it just time away or thinking journaling? Like, What was this retreat like to help you? Yeah. So at the time, I really was at this inflection point of like, what am I doing? (laughs) So (laughs) I think I reached that point at least every four years, I think, uh, because I think every four years I've really done it statistically. And I'm like, it seems like every four years I'm like just ready for like, what's next? What's new? What else can I do? Um, And then really thinking deeply about it. But I really just found different ways to do that exercise. But this one, my friend at the time reached out to me it was just like, you know, he does this all the time. He goes to Yellowstone. He always does hiking trips. And it was something I had never done before. So at the time I was like, I'm willing to pretty much try anything. Like I'm willing to do things that I've never done before. I've went hiking, but I never really went backpacking the way that we did it. I mean, like we went, we like parked our car and then walked like four hours into the middle of the desert. Like I was, I was always in the back because I'm just, I just was like, this is really painful. So everybody was like always in front of me as, you know, so I was like, I was in the back just like puffing and wheezing, like, wait up, hold up. I need a break. You know, we had the big bags on our back and just like, that was the first time I had like the big bag that you have, you know, with all your belongings in it and you're supposed to carry that on your back. I'm like, how do you do this? I'm not used to this. So we actually arrived at the campsite and we did ritualistic type things. I mean, everything from just like talking about why are you here? What you know, what are you here for? What are you trying to do? What are you going to leave out here? We did everything in yoga. We also did a hiking exercise that led us to a journaling activity. So that was something that actually really helped me to think through what I wanted. One, one major thing that came, well, two major things actually came out of that. The first thing is something that I had never revealed to myself or admitted to myself. I really like money. That was something that I hadn't really said before because I think I grew up thinking money is a bad thing. You shouldn't want that. You should want to help everybody and all, all these things. And I still believe in some of those things, but I came out that thing when I was like, I actually actually like money. I actually like a lot of it. It helps make my life better. And so I overcame that fear. And then the second thing I came out of that with was, you know, I actually realized why I have legs. <laughs> I realized that I was like, 
I know I walk every day and sometimes I run on the treadmill, but I was like, see, this is like the human body is actually resilient. I know it seems like a simple thing, but I was just like, this is why you have legs for moments like this. You realize this is why you can do these types of things. The sky is blue, like weird things. I was just like, life is just like so much more than the obstacles and the barriers in front of you. So that's, you know, I came out of that, the journaling activities, the hiking, all of that kind of made this experience for me that was like, these are some things I didn't even know I was thinking about. And I came out of that, I would say, with those two things and many other things. But those are the two things that I think have stuck with me and things that I realized, man, I really care about this more than I thought I did. Yeah. And then going from that experience, which I think it's very important to step away, whatever that may be. I took a trip to San Francisco, I think months ago to kind of recalibrate as well. I think it was really helpful just to take some time to think and to talk with your best friend or whoever it may be, just to plan and strategize and step away from the normal day to day is really important. But for you, and where did your career then go from there after that retreat? So like I said, my background has been in business development. And before that, I was actually working in business development within creative agencies. So I need to explain that just a little bit. So essentially, there's lots of creative agencies in LA. They all produce work for a lot of the major television networks or any type of content platform like Facebook Watch or Amazon Studios or Hulu, you name it. So they make the broadcast design for those companies. So if you ever watch ESPN, for example, the graphics that you see that's you know advertising the game or the graphics that you see at the bottom of the game with the score... Those types of things are being created by creative agencies a lot of times in New York and LA. And so those are the companies that I was working with. And so business development, helping to create those showreels, helping to create sales presentations, capability presentations, getting leaders ready for pitches, creating the whatever that script would be for the reaching out to potential clients. So I was doing a lot of that at the time. And so then I, after that, I decided, you know, I actually want to do this for as many people as I can. So that's essentially what happened. And so I was like, who else needs these types of capabilities or who else needs these type of solutions? A lot of people that I found, they really want a business development person, but they actually just want aspects of that. So whether that's creating uh, content marketing materials, you know, they don't, they may want to write blogs or they may want to get into content marketing, but they don't really want to write the blogs. So I started finding out that people needed these types of things. And it really kind of just went from there. I think that it's been a journey every single day of figuring out what are the problems that I can solve. I can't say I always thought about my business in that way. I'm very the type of person where I'm just, I just want to solve a problem. I know I previously just said I like money, but I really want to figure out how to solve the problem and then build trust with clients. And so for me, it, it became, I've been focusing a lot around that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, oh, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's something everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are trying to do. I look at entrepreneurs, they are problem solvers, right? That's what they do. That's why big companies started. They want to solve a problem. That's why someone else starts another company to solve a problem. So I, I definitely jive with that. And knowing that you progress from you know having the experience at these different companies to then do your own thing and help working with other companies from your own perspective and your own business, how were you getting clients initially and how did that grow over time? Uh, so I do want to say, one thing I mentioned, I, did, I forgot to mention was, so I actually went to a spot that I think a lot of people should Google, but it's a place called Grid 110. And they're essentially an accelerator for entrepreneurs, first-time entrepreneurs, early-stage entrepreneurs. And they create a, a type of environment where you can go, you can share your ideas, you can work with other founders across the city of L.A., and it's cohort based and it's like a program. So it's a structured program. It's a three month program that I was in. And it really, one of the things I was searching for at the time was how to think more like an entrepreneur. 
So one of the things I'm really good at because I've always been that is I'm really good at being a freelancer and a contractor. I'm really good at that. But one thing entrepreneurs just really think differently. They think higher level. They think business proposition, value proposition, business models. How does it work? How is money made? And so I needed to sort of gain those insights from a very structured point of view. It's like, yeah, I can get any book I want. And yes, I know that businesses need to make money. But that gave me an opportunity to spend a few months working on my idea. And I plugged into that uh, to really start figuring out how do I get customers? Where are they? Who is my customer? So I really spent a lot of time around that. So for me, it's actually a variety of different ways. And I'll, I'll tell you one way. I ended up, so when going back to me figuring out what else can I do with my voice, one of the things that came up was I can also speak. So one thing I realized after speaking all over the world at this point with the Singapore, Sydney, London, New York, and here in LA. And after this big round, I put a book out. That's what allowed me to do that. Put a book out and did this. And then I started realizing as soon as you speak somewhere, everybody thinks you're an expert. Everybody thinks you know, you know what you're talking about. And it's really kind of true because everybody's looking for a subject matter expert. Someone, if you write a book about something, you are the expert on that. You know that topic top to bottom. So it is actually true. So I would speak and then I would meet people who, you know, after this, the, the conference, they would come up to me and there would be a Q&A and, you know, there would be a line forming and then we'll be having a conversation. And before you know it, we're working together on a project. So I actually found that to be a really great lead generator for me in a time where I really didn't really know that it would happen that way. Yeah, I know when you're speaking on stage, people look at you as an authority figure. But in terms of the business gener lead generation on building business and trust with clients before you, or potential clients, I had no idea. And I think the, the speaking actually played a huge role in helping from helping me to advertise the type of person that I am and the types of things that I offer. Yeah. And how did you approach the speaking? I mean, when did you get started with that? And then you say you're all over the world essentially doing the speaking. Was that for a different company or how did you get started with the speaking engagements? Um, I essentially reached out to everybody. I said, hey, I got a book out. You want to book me? So, I mean, that's essentially all that it was. So I did this huge rollout. This was 2015. So this has been really like a four-year journey. And so 2015, October 2015, I put a book out called Get Your Life. It was a personal development book, like get your life together, stop playing around, go find your purpose and start doing what you love. Stop wasting time. And that was essentially the genesis of the book. I put that out and I was like, well, I'm going to have to share this book. So I did this huge release in Atlanta at Barnes & Noble and promoted that experience and to use that to say, hey, look, there are people in Atlanta who love what I have to say. And there are people who want to hear this message. Do the people at your organization want to hear this message? Okay, great. Let's chat. And I really took it from that and just tried to see who wants to hear this message. Who is this going to be valuable for? I mean, it turns out that there's a lot of people who actually wanted to hear that message. One of the things that really surprised me was when I went to Singapore and someone came up to me and they were just like, you know, people really don't think the way that you're thinking. It was the first time I realized some of what is really an American point of view about dreams and possibilities and being able to sort of think through, you know, issues and, and work past problems. I didn't realize that there are certain things that are really unique to America. And so traveling helped me realize the thought process, the way that I was thinking and how I approached certain things was actually quite valuable, not just here, but also just overseas. So I think also traveling taught me about what I'm taking for granted as it relates to what I'm saying. And I don't think I ever thought of it that way until actually people were just telling me some things I thought were actually just simple concepts. And people were like, no, like people in our neck of the woods don't think like that. So we need to hear, we need to hear what you have to say. 
how did that book even come about for you? Like to the point where you wanted to write a book? I was getting a lot of questions for years about, I'm usually the person people come to in their life when they're looking to make a change. So let's just start there. So a lot of people, even at, in my, even as a teenager, people would come to me always and ask me for advice because I was a pretty, I just always felt like it always, I just had wisdom. Like at 14 years old, 15 years old, I was actually interning at, at BET in New York. And so that was me in high school. I was going to all these parties. I was interning for record labels as a teenager. And so I was that person. People associated me as like this go-getter person who was always involved, who was always doing things after school. So I was, while everybody was playing basketball, I was actually at Viacom on like 59th Street in Manhattan and just like, you know, working at the CBS Center where BET was. So that was like me in high school. So I've always been associated as that person that's like always doing things. And even to, into college, I did the same thing. And so out of college, I started really providing, really uh, people who have gone through life a little bit started recognizing what I was talking about. And so I would say things like, you need to stop playing around. Like, don't let that college education go to waste. Start figuring out what you want to do and figure out a plan of how to get there. And I was saying these things on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook and everybody was just like, it was just, you know, hundreds of likes on these things. And all I could think about was, I think the, the light bulb was, I had a big group of people like blog readers who actually lived in Jackson, Mississippi. They would hold parties based on some of the things I would say. So (laughs) it was really, no, it was like in Mississippi. And so it was just like, oh, it's amazing. So I would find there were people in like other markets that I would never reach or be able to go to a coffee shop and like talk through their next career move. And so I was like, I want to do something that can actually reach a lot of different people. Like you never have to meet me, but you can have the wisdom if it's valuable to you. And so that's really how the book came about. It was like, I'm going to write a book. I feel like this is the best thing for me to do. And after a certain while, I felt like I had to write it. I had to get it out there, not from a money standpoint, but I just really started feeling like people started making me feel like they needed to hear what I had to say. And that's when I said, you know, I think I actually need to write this. And that's what I did. And you mentioned people were reading your stuff already. So you were blogging before then, before the book came out? Yeah, I realize I'm skipping a lot of steps. No, that's okay. That's why I get to ask the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so about like... Like it's eight years ago now. I read a blog from Seth Godin. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Marketing Hall of Fame, Tribes, Purple Cow. And at the time, I had never hadn't heard of none of this. I don't even know how I stumbled upon his blog. But one of the things that he said was, you got to have a mailing list. You like, you, if people come to your website, you got to make sure you capture that email. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to start doing that. So I used to do this radio show and I had celebrities on this, on the show. And anytime there was a celebrity or a guest on the show, a lot of people would come to the website and were to tune into what I was saying. So it was like, it was like a live radio show that I had set up on my website, greentaylor.com slash listen. And you could come and listen to who I, what I was talking about. And, you know, it would be like 400 people signing in. I'm like, 400 people just came to my website. Like I don't have it. Like there was nothing there. There was like no wall or anything. You could just come and listen. And so after that, I was like, because I hadn't realized that many people was listening. When I started looking at the stats, I was like, okay, I'm going to start capturing these emails. So usually it was really when I had like guests that weren't even famous, they would tell all their friends to listen and it would be like an extra 70 people listening. And I would capture all those emails every time they came to the, to the website. So you had to enter your email to actually access the listening link. Once you did that, I had your email. So for years after the, even the radio show ended, 
I had all these emails just kind of sitting there. And so like every couple of months I'll send a message, but then I, I just didn't really do anything. Once I realized I was coming out with a book, another thing I had from Seth Golden was like, don't wait until you actually have a product coming out. Start marketing the thing as soon as you realize that it's actually going to be a, a real living thing in the world. Like just start telling people you're working on it, walk them through the process. And so I was like, you're right. So between 2014 and 2016, I sent an email every single Monday, every week for two years straight, September 2016 to December um, 2016 or September 2014 to December 2016. I sent uh, every Monday. So yeah. Wow. So you're doing that. You obviously grew it from the, the radio show. Then you had these emails and then you had the book. And from there, where did everything go after that? I think the first thing that happened after I put out my book was people immediately started seeing me differently. So at the time I put the book out, I was actually working um, entry level at an agency. Um, and then it's about four months after that, I was in a leadership role. And <laughs> at, <laughs> so wow. it was actually quite, and then, and then even a year, you know, so it was just, it kind of just kept moving that way because I started, I really was kind of posturing. I postured myself differently. I talked about the things I did differently. I actually had an understanding about how I provided value. And so it allowed me to do that even with the book, with or without the book, I think it would have happened. But I think it was just, I started just talking about the work that I was doing differently. And then I also knew what I did as opposed to previously. I really couldn't tell you exactly what I did and I couldn't, you know, break down, you know, my job description and tell you how it provides solutions. And I think that's what started to happen. So I wouldn't say that was automatic, but this new journey that I've been on, I would definitely say it's been the last two years of people coming to me with interesting problems. People are like, hey, I've been at this organization. I've been running this organization for five years. We know what we do. We don't know why we do it. Those are the type of problems people come to me with right now. So I'll say, hey, okay, it looks like you got a culture thing. So let's look at the mission and the vision and the core values. But that's actually one project I'm on right now. I'm looking at the mission and vision and core values of a company. And so I'm helping them. We're doing several sessions over looking at what's your mission? What do you want to do in the world? You know, what exactly are you providing? And then what's your vision? How do you see uh, long-term this venture uh, changing the world or what have you, whatever it would be? And then core values, what are the things that are driving your organization? When you have an employee that's there until seven at night, eight at night, 9 p.m., what are they thinking about in the back of their head that's actually making them power through this work? So what are they thinking about that's going to help them make the best decision possible on behalf of the leaders and on behalf of the organization at large? And so I help create this language that helps describe some of these things. So I'm literally doing copywriting and strategy on helping people figure out problems like this. These are the types of things that I actually like solving and also that actually not come easy to me, but they're fun to just work on. Right. To actually go through the process of everything. You enjoy that process and that's what you want to create for your business. One of the things that I want to jump back to quickly before we go into a little bit more of this business that you have now, Grid 110, I had heard about it probably a few months ago. I'm curious as to the program. So going through the Grid 110 program, you said you got a lot of clarity from that. What was the structure of that like? And like, what was the program like in general? So the, they have two different programs. They have I2P, which is idea to prototype, and then they have residency. I2P is you have an idea or an MVP and you're like, what am I doing with this? Where am I taking this? How can I get customers? How can I get funding potentially? And what is this? Is this a real business? Can it survive? And so you'll go to I2P and try to test that. Residency is more of people who have already traction. They may have already funding. They may already have customers and they're just looking for support. So Grid 110 is essentially a place where 
entrepreneurs. They've created a community where there's a bunch of entrepreneurs who really want to see each other grow. And so that's what I got. I mean, that's going in. I didn't really know that that's what it was all about. But looking back and being involved now, that's essentially what Grid 110 does. Uh, so while I was there, I was able to think more clearly about value proposition. So up until that moment, I hadn't really thought about value proposition. I haven't really thought about Baskin Robbins. You know, what makes them so valuable is that they already have 31 flavors or 32. How many? It's, it's enough. They've already got 30 plus flavors. That means that they've already chosen the flavors for you. So you don't have to do any hard work. They already have a location. You don't have to build You don't have to like, you know, go through loops and bounds to find a location. Then these things are value proposition, right? Like already sourcing the, the ice cream, already having the different types of cups, already having a, a maybe they have a different type of cup than the other local ice cream shop, the uh, smaller cups. So maybe they have a dollar cup and other places don't have that. So I started thinking about ways that companies uh, provide value to their customers. And I think it really helped me think about what that actually is. And then also the, the second thing I learned was how do businesses make money? I was surprised to learn that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who don't know how their business makes money, even when the business does make money, even when it is working, but they're not exactly sure of the revenue model. And I think that's where I was in is just like, how does something make money? You know, how does the customer buy the thing that you have? And then how do you recreate that several times over? And so I started looking at, I never really took the time to really be in a structured environment, which that was, to really think through how does a customer go from not knowing who you are to knowing who you are to deciding when to buy the thing that you have to buying the thing you have? And then what is their life like after that? So I really had a chance to really kind of really spend time thinking about that, which could be for my consulting business now or could be for some anything else I build. Because I find myself thinking about that with every new idea I have. So, and even with my book, originally I, I was, I knew how it was going to sell, but I didn't really have the good questions until afterwards. Right. So it was like, I started finding out that my book could actually be available around the world. Well, how does my book get into bookstores? You know, who's the buyer for that book? Where are they? You know, who buys books? Yeah. Consumers buy books, but also bookstores buy books. Right. It's just like when an album comes out, yeah, the consumer buys the book, but really Target is spending a million dollars on the album. And then they're passing that on to... So I started thinking through all of these scenarios in, this, in Grid 110. And it really, I kind of came out of that like more empowered as a founder, as an entrepreneur, or just thinking of like thinking of myself as an entrepreneur, that entrepreneurial thinking. I can't say I really had that prior to that program. And I think that's the major thing that they provide a lot of different people. Right. So you came out of there with different frameworks, different processes for actually approaching a business or solving problems and everything. And with that, learning those different frameworks, with working with clients in your consulting business, then how do you apply those frameworks and how do you use you know, a process to solve problems for your clients? That's a great question. So it sounds like this is more process driven. So I think one of the things that I always think about is I get and this is maybe not even directly related to that, but one of the things I'm always trying to do is get to the core of the problem that we're solving. I always, someone actually, one of my clients actually called me a therapist for work, which I thought was quite quite interesting. I'm like, I, I'm not going to put that on my website, but I, I like that you said like, that. Thank you, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because I'm really always focusing on why. Why are you doing this? Why is this important for you? Why is this important for the business? Once you figure that out, your North Star, really figure that out. 
then everything you create from that moment on will revert back to that. And that's essentially the North Star. That's the mission. That's the vision. That's the core values, the core reasoning, core intention. And that's where I like to start, period. I feel like we can't, I can't build trust, transparency, honesty without that. And so we're always looking at that. What's the origin story? Why'd you start your company? And so I'm always looking at that. And that's my preferred way. Sometimes I'm in with a client. We're just like, you know, like one of the projects I'm working on now, I wasn't there at the origin story, get some deliverables out there. And that's also fine as well. But my favorite process is I get a chance to do some strategy because we're still working with humans. I think that's the thing. We're still all humans and we still need to feel really good about the thing that we're creating and we need to be able to get buy-in at every single level. And so for me, it's always about feeling really good that what we're making is actually the thing that we're supposed to be making. What we're working on is actually what we're supposed to be working on. A great example is I do a lot of production management for people. If you say, say you want to do a photo shoot or you want to do a video, shoot a video of you doing your work. A lot of startups will go and shoot a video. They'll pay four, four or $5,000 for a film crew to come and film them doing something so they can have a video to put on their about page. And they'll shoot that video, put it on their about page. And what they get from that video is nothing. It's just a really nice video. It's just a really nice video. It looks great, but it serves no purpose. And so a lot of my work is, look, let's, you're going to hire a videographer? Let's talk first. How is this going to serve your business? What is this video selling? Who's going to watch this video? What do you want them to do? Where is this video going to live? And what platform is it going to sit on? And so these are the types of questions I like to ask so that we can make better, more informed decisions. A lot of the large companies already know this, right? Like, you know, Facebook, they already know that when they're making their ads, because they already hired the $100 billion ad agency on Madison Avenue to solve that problem. A lot of us, we are not doing that work as strategically. So my job really, I feel, is to create, bring more strategy to the process, even though I know a lot of us feel like that's the boring part, but really that's how you get more effective work, even if it's just a photo, even if it's just a photo shoot, even if it's just something for your LinkedIn, even if it's just a video for your about page, you got to start with why, what's the point? Yeah. And obviously you're you're starting with why you're, you're getting to the core of these businesses or these problems. And then with these companies, after they've kind of figured that out, you said there's a few different you know, ways to get that out. But I'm curious as to how you help companies effectively tell their story and get that out to consumers exactly. I'll give you an example. And it's really something from start with why Simon Sinek. And it's essentially that example where he's like, you know, Apple could talk about the processing speed of the computer. They can talk about the RAM. They could talk about all that stuff. And it would kind of run flat, right? But if you're just like, you know, these However they describe Here's it, right? specs, yeah. <laughs> these will help you live a better life. You will actually look cooler at Starbucks because of these products. You will be more productive because of the look of this product, the ease of swiping, right? The way that you feel, right? And that to me is a lot of my process. And I think I forgot your question, but I was getting there. Oh, I'm just, I'm just curious on like, how you actually get help companies effectively tell their story, get their story out there. Yes. And so that is a part of it. So looking at now that we know, now that we've, now that we've done this strategy work, what do we do from here? One of the things I do, I do a lot of writing, writing, writing. That is a huge capability of me, of, of mine. So mostly everything I do involves writing. And so I'll give you an example of one client that I'm working with right now. They're coming out with a tech product, but here's how tech products work. You have a software engineer, 
or similar to Apple, you have the software engineer, Steve Wozniak, and then you have the marketing person, Steve Jobs. Usually your company either has one of those two people or both of those people. Let's just say you had Steve Wozniak building the first Apple computer. And, you know, he's a software engineer. He knows he has something cool. But all it is is just a piece of, like, when you hear Steve Wozniak, even in the Steve Jobs biography, when you hear him talking about coming up with something cool and it was, you know, it was just magnificent what they could do with the tools at the time and all of these things that I'm like, I have no idea what that is. All of the things that actually make a computer work, right? Like, even when you look at the making the mouse scroll across the screen and how they did that, and it's just like, yeah, that's cool, but there's an element missing and the element is storytelling. And so what I'll do is I'll go into an organization and I'll start saying, what is your story? So one of the brands I'm working with right now, they don't have a story. So we create the story. It's just literally starting from scratch. What is the story of this product? Sometimes people have it inside of them. They just don't know how to write it. So I'll work with people on developing what that story is. And we only know that when we know what the product is and what it does, what are the benefits of that product and who's it for? Uh, who are we trying to reach? And then I'll work with them on writing that. And so we'll, I'll literally write brand stories about what this product is and the benefits that it offers people. So that could be something that's internal. A lot of times these things are internal. This helps the something that you can provide to your marketing team or something that you can give to you. anybody, any new hires, anybody you bring on. It's really the story of the company. So I help a lot of people figure things like that. I mean, I also write like product descriptions or about pages, et cetera. A lot of the stuff actually does live internally and even just giving founders the confidence or entrepreneur CEOs the, the confidence to talk about the thing that they're making so that they can get support traction, whether that's from customers, board members, or clients or whomever. Right. And with that aspect of it, I'm curious as to your business model. Obviously, consulting can be a lot of different things. How do you kind of structure that because you offer so many different services? <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually working right now to become a little bit more niche, actually. I think even describing it to you right now, the two core capabilities I have are strategy and copywriting. But it's for a variety of clients. So currently I work with several different people throughout a week and we basically time it out on what amount of time am I going to be spending on this business? What amount of time am I going to be spending on this business? And looking at, you know, really statistically looking at what's working and what's not working. So I'm consistently always looking at even from the billing, you know, how does that work? You know, how is that? How am I spending my time most effectively? So I think that's definitely something that I'm even eyeing on. How do I improve that? And how do I make that something even more seamless? So that for, for me, in terms of even just managing my time and making sure I'm optimizing my productivity. And so, yeah, so I mean, that's really how I'm doing it, working with several people at the same time and making sure I don't overextend myself. And I haven't. So I think for me, even now, we've been having conversations about would I have to hire someone? <laughs> right. Would you need to or not? Yeah. Right. So based on my, so that's where I am now of figuring out there is a certain point and there's only a certain amount that one person can do. And so I've been kind of looking at, okay, what would that look like in today's age of bringing someone on and expanding the capabilities or keeping them the same, but just rethinking that? So I, that's where I am now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm reading a book called Company of One by Paul Jarvis. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. But it, I've heard but of it. it. Yeah, but it is interesting because he's mentioning like staying smaller on purpose to have 
you know, either a better lifestyle or just more control or more autonomy and not getting huge. Obviously, it's one, one thing to bring on one person. It's another thing to bring on, you know, try to scale up into a huge consulting company. It's funny because there's so many different ways to go about it. Candice Liu was another person I had on the podcast. She's, she's awesome. They scaled to 200 employees in her consulting company. It's like, that's one way to go. <laughs> and another way is to handle more projects yourself and have a little more autonomy. Nothing is right or wrong, but it is from that book, it was curious and like interesting to see that different perspectives of potentially staying small. But I imagine, yeah, as you've done something for a while in consulting, you always kind of wonder, could I take on more work and have someone else under me and grow a little bit and see how that is even, even just trying it on for size and seeing how it fits for you. Correct. Part of that is me helping to, or me thinking through like, do I need, is that what I need to do? Because a lot of actually, one thing I've been talking about lately is I've been meeting a lot of different accidental entrepreneurs. So people who started off as consultants and then all of a sudden had 12 employees. I've actually been working with a lot of those people and it ends up being like, I didn't really mean to build this, but because you don't really go into it. Some people know their entire lives. I want to be a manager and I want to lead other people. But some people are like, I'm doing the consulting work and then the client they love you so much. The work is great. They give you a bigger budget. You got a bigger budget, you got to hire people because you can't do all the work by yourself. And so now you got the bigger budget, then you hire one person. And then you look up, it's five, and then now it's 10. Now you've got all these team members. Now you're a manager. And now they expect you to manage them. They expect you to lead. They expect you to provide them vision. They expect you to provide them the mission, core values, and they expect you to lead them effectively. And so I've kind of watched as I've watched it over the last couple of years and I've worked with a lot of people who, who have, the, who've done this. And I've definitely go back and forth about what that would be like. And if that would, if that is something I'm interested in, because part of the thing I'm realizing is that there's only but so much that I can do. And I've only have a couple capabilities. I'm not, there's a lot of things, but even when I need extra help, I just hire people out and I'll hire freelancers to make anything that is a deliverable that I personally cannot deliver. And so I kind of, I'm also doing that as well in terms of not having to scale or think of myself as that and just being able to just dish out the work as it comes in, as opposed to just having a bunch of people already here. Right. Exactly. And with, as you've grown this, this business, your consulting business over time, like what have been the biggest kind of challenges for you? I think the biggest challenge is trying to figure out who you're going to work with. So one thing I actually came across recently was something I, or not kind of came across, but something I actually just admitted to myself is I only want to work with people that love me and that get me. And somebody thought I was crazy for saying it. It was like, love you. What are you talking <laughs> about? Just go to work, shut up and just do what you're supposed to do. But I'm really interested in just working with people that get my joke, that appreciate what I do, that value the work that I'm doing. And so I personally seek out people that feel that same exact way. Because there's something special when you're working with somebody and like you just, we're just hitting it off. We just both like each other. This thing works. And so those are the types of people that I'm really looking at working with. And so I really try to put myself in situations in which I would meet someone like that. And I'm also better understanding who I am and, and articulating who I am and what I'm about, even from a personality standpoint, because the work is the work. The work is the work. The work is good. You can see it for yourself, whatever. But the thing that's most important now for me is for me to be authentic. It's not like I'm this CEO that doesn't see anybody or something like that. It's, you know, it's like, no, I'm actually the one doing the work. Um, so for me, it's important for me to always be authentic with who I am and to be able to be that way in my work. So 
I do a lot of this, like the way I'm talking right now, sounds so serious. It sounds like, you know, doing strategy work, but I'm not showing up in a suit. I'm just not doing that. It's too hot in LA. Maybe if I was in New York, but it's just too hot here. I'm not showing up in a suit. Why? For what? Like, what am I trying to prove to you? Because one thing I learned, I actually shot a video recently, marketing video for me. And one of the things I said was, you're either you're going to like me or you're not. Like, there's nothing I can do. I can cut my hair a little bit shorter. I can cut my mustache off. Either you like me or you don't. And I am basing this off statistics. I've seen, I've looked at all the people I've worked with and just how things have like spawned off. And just, I find that people just genuinely want to work with you. So this informs a lot of what I'm talking about. And so I'm always just trying to, I'm using that data and just that experience to really talk about the things that I value. And if it registers, you feel that, then I think we're just a good fit. Right. Now that makes complete sense. And, you know, looking back at your journey so far in entrepreneurship and having your own consulting company, I'm, I'm curious as to what resources kind of have been the most beneficial for you, whether that be podcasts, audiobooks, you know, books or blogs or conferences, like what specific things have been most helpful for you? Um, I'm kind of, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I'm just trying to see what, what, is, what are my favorite things. You know what? Oh yeah. Seth Godin is the reason I moved to LA. Like, you know, indirectly. He opened my mind up to marketing and advertising. So I went to college for film, but we were doing things like studying Stanley Kubrick or whatever, you know, it's just like, that's fine. We were looking at Spike Lee movies. You know, we weren't thinking about from just the marketing and advertising of it. We were looking at how do we make movies, directing, things like that. And so I've started looking at, Steph Golden kind of turned me on to what's happening in advertising. How does Coca-Cola maintain their image over 100 years? How have they made this sugary beverage something that people want to grab? It's sold everywhere, from Walmart to the furniture store. You can get it anywhere. I was in um, Cape Town, or no, Johannesburg, and there was like a huge Coca-Cola sign like this graffitied on the wall in like this weird part of town that was like nobody was over there and i'm just like coca-cola has got to be the strongest brand in the history of brands they're so so strong (laughs) yeah they are (laughs) seth would share stories like this and i just kind of follow so i bought almost every book he has purple cow linchpin the dip got them all and he's definitely someone who i follow even he has a blog that was really how i discovered who he was and that was through that blog he just really helps me to think differently Every single day, because sometimes I'm so just thinking the way that I want to think and seeing the world that I want to see the world. And he helps me realize that there's more to it from a marketing standpoint. The others, the, I mean, I'm always looking at design. So one thing that's inspired me a lot lately is when you talk to designers, if you talk to industrial designers or architectures, they feel like they run the world. And because they mostly do. They are designing the things that we use on every single day, right? Like somebody made these microphones, somebody made Zencaster, somebody made every single thing, Google Docs. These designers are making things that are actually changing our lives. And so the type of mindset that they provide is something that I really always admire. So there's one book I'm currently reading called The Design of Everyday Things. And so I kind of have tried to take on more of a design approach to my work of really realizing that every single thing around us has been created by someone or a team of people who had an idea and they worked through it. Then they created this thing through several um, iterations. And it finally became this beautiful thing that we know and use, but originally it started all just gritty and muddy and it was it didn't work and it had all these bugs. So for me, these are the things that are really resources for me. 
And I mean, if we want to get specific, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts and I've got a bunch of books and things like yeah, that. But yeah, let us know. Think- I, I, if, you're willing, <laughs> if you're willing, by all means, uh, I like the suggestions. Uh, yeah. One of the things, what else is up here? Creative Confidence, Brand Real. Oh, here's my, one of my favorite books, Legendary Brands by Lawrence Vincent. So Lawrence Vincent is one of the advertising people and his book essentially helps me. And it's really a reference that I always use. It's about building brands. And so, for example, when you walk into a Starbucks, you expect to hear the type of music they play. When you walk into a Starbucks, you expect to have a certain feeling that comes from the color, the color scheme. When you go through the drive-through, you expect there to be certain fonts in the way that they articulate the pricing and they describe the food that or the drink, the latte that you're going to order. And so his book talks about creating those type of brands, those type of associations, how people feel about your brand. One exercise that I actually wrote in my book, actually from his book, and I cited it in my book was, if you want to quickly figure out what your brand is, ask someone to name, to write down 10 words, a stranger, somebody you may have known for a couple of weeks, just tell them, write down words of what they think about you. You know, just give me 10 words. And then take that back, look at it and and decide whether that's you or that's not you. Then do your own exercise. Come up with your own 10 words. Mine were like smooth, eclectic, rock star, uh, voice, uh, whatever, like, you know, whatever I, whatever I wrote, I wrote, I did mine like four, four years ago. After like a year, I asked someone else to do it, to do this assignment for me and they did it for me. And they wrote down every single word that I had decided were my words. So I was making sure that I was living my brand. That however I articulated myself, the way that I speak, the way that I dress, the way that I talk, whatever, uh, the way that I write through email, then when you ask someone, hey, how do I come across? And they start telling you and you'd like, yeah, I wrote that down. I kind of know that already. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to check and see if the brand was working. But that's what he talks about in legendary brands. Like if you were to describe Starbucks or McDonald's or Pepsi, Coca-Cola, you know, they already know how you're going to feel about them and how you're going to describe them. For me, I actually still use that book as like a reference when I'm helping people think about their brand. You need to be thinking about everything. You can't use Comic Sans if you say that you are a modern personal brand. You can't have a a really ridiculous looking font on your website. If you're going to say that you want to appear more modern and you want to feel upscale and your customers shops at some luxury store in Beverly Hills, or does your customer prefer the Macy's Levi? aisle. Is that where they would prefer? Every There's a different... So that's what that book kind of talks about. And it really kind of helps me to always remind myself of how people perceive any type of brand, even if it's a personal brand. Um, so went kind of in on legendary brands, but I, I actually love that book. I'm always talking about that book because it's just a good prime. Like you don't have to be like an advertising person or a marketing person to like understand what he's talking about. You live these experiences every, every single day. If you use an Apple computer, or if you walk into a McDonald's, you know exactly what this book is talking about. Yeah. And you mentioned podcasts as well. What were some of those podcasts? You know, one of my favorite podcasts actually is the Tim Ferriss podcast. I can't say I listen to all 7,000 episodes. <laughs> There's just um, so many. But <laughs> one of my favorites too. There's just so many. Yeah, it's great though. Yeah, man. He helps me to sometimes, actually there's a particular episode that I listen to. I can't even think of his name, but I actually sent him a message on um, Twitter. I was like, man, anytime I'm feeling down, I listen to this episode. But I, I believe he was born without arms, maybe. It was something like that. The one with Kilimanjaro or a different one? Um, I don't know his name. Okay. Kyle Maynard is one who climbed. Kyle Maynard. Kyle Maynard. (laughs) I'm a fan. I told you, man. (laughs) Man, that that episode, I listen to it anytime I'm feeling like, what am I doing and how do I gather up the just the energy to 
do this. Yes. Um, she watched the video too, by the way. There's a um, video then, oh, of him climbing oh, yeah. Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Oh, of him climbing. Yes. It's wild. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. I've sent a message to Tim Ferriss on Twitter. I'm like, this is one of my favorite episodes. And he re- responded back and he's like, yo, this is same. Because I listened, I've listened to it like six or seven times because I'm just like, it, just the laughs, just the camaraderie between them two talking and just hearing the humanness in that conversation. It just reminds you that there's so many things to be happy about and there's so many things to be grateful for. And also every single one of us have things in our life that maybe at one point were considered to be crutches or were considered to be things that, you know, someone would look at that and say, well, you know, that's going to be an obstacle for you. And then you've been able to turn it around through just determination and courage on a consistent basis every day. And so for me, if I'm on a long drive, whenever I haven't had a long commute in a long time, which made room for my podcast, but when I'm on a long drive, I'll turn on a Tim Ferriss podcast because I know whatever it is, it's going to be interesting. Also listen to the Unmistakable Creative podcast. I think his name is Srini Rouse. And that podcast has always had something interesting. I'm always learning from different thought leaders. One episode was from Adam Grant, who wrote Originals. And that episode, he, he was talking about like going into pitch and making sure that you're, you know, how funders or investors look at certain people pitching and what they're thinking about and why they reject certain ideas. And I just thought that was just kind of something interesting to, to learn about. Um, but definitely Tim Ferriss podcast, Unmistakable Creative. Though in terms of, oh, you know, the, the unspoken podcast? No, I never heard of it. No, no, no. The one that people, what is that? No, no, I hear saying. No, the one that people aren't, the one that people are not listening to right now that they need to listen to is the Shopify podcast. It's for entrepreneurs. Like if you're building a business, if you sell socks, if you found a warehouse somewhere and a way that you can merchandise a pair of socks that you want to sell, or you've got some lollipops that you're like, these things would do amazing online. Or you got an iPhone holder that you're like, I need to put these in Target for $2. Or like, that's the podcast that you need to listen to. I get a lot of ideas. I mean, even just yesterday, I was listening to um, a guy who was having a jean problem, right? He was just like, I couldn't find jeans that were comfortable, but also modern looking and like just nice looking. Um, and so he created his own jean. And I find that I, I was like, that is a problem because I really don't like wearing jeans anymore. It's too hot in LA, but I also don't want to wear something else. And like, how can you wear that outside? So anyway, it's just like he started, he was just talking about that problem. And then, you know, going to find the, his first customers, going to the buyer. So the Shopify podcast really kind of hones in on that stuff, on just like really building a business that's not this unicorn thing or whatever. It's just literally people just, you just home and you're just like, I have an idea for something and you, you know, what can you make? Well, how can you um, go from idea to actually having it out in the world? Right. I have not heard of the Shopify podcast. However, Shopify itself, I mean, that's the gold standard in terms of e-commerce and starting those types of sites. It, I mean, everyone uses Shopify. We've had a lot of guest speakers at USC who have, you know, raised multi-million dollars, whatever, and even their businesses, their Shopify plus businesses, like their Shopify. It's it's crazy. So that is definitely the gold standard. And I, I'm curious now to check out their podcast and see what they have in terms of information on growing businesses because yeah, they have an incredible story as well. And you mentioned, you know, in the beginning, the retreat you took to kind of figure out the mission and kind of the vision and everything for what you want to do with your career. I'm curious as to now how you manage your time and energy day to day, knowing kind of what you're working on everything. How do you manage a day to day? I definitely try to keep things in perspective. So even kind of, and are you talking about from like a with all the things you're working on, I mean, business-wise, I mean, I see different clients and everything. Uh, I'm just curious on, yeah, how you actually manage your time and figure out, prioritize and everything else. 
one of the things that really helped me on a consistent basis is from a very practical standpoint is I now use a calendar. Now, I know it may not sound, now you sent me a calendar invite for our interview, of course. And so, you know, I know it seems simple, but one of the things as a creative person who is like, I don't want to have rules. I want to do it my way. Don't put me in a box. I'll figure out, I do it when I want to. When it feels right, I'm telling you, just sit here for a while. Like any musician, any musician is like, they'll just, just come to the studio and be here for 30 days. Don't make any moves. We're just going to sit here and listen to beats for 30 days. That's really my process. That used to be my process where I was like, this, let's not work on the calendar. Let's just take it easy. Now I'm like, no, I actually have to know what's happening. I have to like know what's happening day to day, what's on my calendar. And, you know, when I, if I'm with friends and they're like, what are you doing next Friday? And I'm like, oh, I hate to say this. I hate to be the person to say this, but let me check my calendar. Let me look because real quick. Yep. <laughs> if, if I don't check it, I know I'm going to overbook. What do you mean overbook? Who are you? So I have to become that person. That really helps me in terms of just managing that flow and making sure I know exactly what I'm doing and that I'm up to speed, mainly because it really helps me feel like I'm done. A lot of times with projects is that they seem like they can never be done. So sometimes I'll work on a project and it's not even a deliverable attached to it. It's just, I'll go do a workshop and I'll teach a class and for a group of people. And then that's it. I'm not involved in anything else. And so sometimes it seems, feels like there's no ending on certain things. So you have to, so I've kind of tried to figure out ways to kind of feel like there is an ending, like this thing has ended. I've finished. I can, I can like toast to wrapping that project. There's not often that feeling all the time. And so I try to make sure I just kind of have the calendar and just things in my life to make sure that I can like say that it's fine that there was no ending to that. It's fine. Like that was the end, in fact. So for me, that's kind of how I start thinking about it. And there's, I mean, there's many different, even those retreats in traveling, making sure that I get out and see things. So I haven't, one example is this is I haven't really written anything in the last three years, maybe since 2016 on my blog or my mailing list. Because I basically didn't feel like I had things to say. So one of the things was at the end of 2016, it was like a huge life change. I was showed up to work like any regular day and I was laid off from my job. I had my coffee in hand and everything ready to just get on my day and it was just like laid off. And so it kind of caught me off guard at the time. I was just like, damn, I think not even from what really happened, but just how it made you like when you, if you haven't been laid off, you feel like you can't trust anything. Like you just like, what is real in the world? Like, okay, what's real? It really had me asking these type of questions. And that was the moment that made me realize like, so I stopped actually writing my blog because I realized I had been living life on really kind of autopilot. Like I was just kind of going and going and going. And then when that happened, it made me stop for the first time in like 14 years where I just finally was like, whoa, it kind of woke me up a little bit. I just felt like I wasn't breathing until that moment. And it kind of set me free, I felt like, in a way, to just kind of start exploring new avenues, seeing what else is out there, living a little bit more, experience, having a little bit more life experience. Since then, I've been on like five continents. I've traveled and I've met all these people. And now I'm starting to come back out. Like even this podcast, this is one of the first podcasts I've done, right? Let's go grind. It's one of the first podcasts I've done and in a long time because I haven't really wanted to speak about anything that I've been doing. I was like, I need to focus on me. What am I about? Who am I? And what am I sharing with the world? Here's something I found out from writing my book. I realized that you got to make sure that you know exactly that everything that you say, you know exactly what you're saying. One of the things that happened when I went to Johannesburg was someone had came up to me after my speech or Cape Town. Oh, no, no, it was Johannesburg. They came up to me after my speech. I keynoted this marketing conference. They came up to me and they were like, I watched all your videos online. Like she was like verbatim saying exactly what I said in the video. And I was like, you know, you really, you actually watched the video. 
And then she was, she was like, and I read your book and you said this on page 62. And I was like, oh my God, you actually re- legitimately read the book. One of the things that came out was, I was like, I know I wrote the book to be read, but people are actually reading this book. So some people would email me, message me, you know, I, I, you said to do this, so I did this. And so I started realizing like, no, 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 people are actually doing what I'm telling them to do in this book. And it reminded me of the 10,000 hours thing that Malcolm Gladwell said years ago. When he said that, he actually changed the way that people live their lives. Like people are making decisions on a daily basis saying, I got to get my 10,000 hours in. I don't know if he was just trying to figure out something cool or if he actually meant to put that in the world, but people are actually listening to what he said. You say that people are listening. So for me, I started understanding the gravity of my words and it made me kind of draw back a little bit to make sure everything I'm saying, I mean. So I can play back this podcast in three years and say, yeah, I mean, maybe I've changed my ideas slightly from that, but I meant to say that. So that if someone did what I told them to do, I can stand behind that action that they took. And that's really started how, how I started to feel. But when I talk about, when you talk about managing the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, that was one of those things of like being able to just remove myself for just a while, go travel, see things, and even travel locally, just go away for the weekend. These are the types of things I do to, cons- to keep perspective on who I am, that I'm not tied to a job, that this doesn't define me. I'm not tied to an idea. I'm not tied to a client. I'm not tied to anything. Life goes on. Every day is a new day. As soon as the sun comes up, you got another chance to see what's out there. So that's kind of how I look at life. I love the introspection. And I think that's super important. And that's something I've tried to do over the years as I've been growing my own business. Originally, just go fitness. And now, just go grind. Just journaling and taking the time to really think about what's important, I think is one of the best activities you can do. And it's obvious that you've done this the retreat and I've thought about this deeply because it's a matter of like, otherwise you end up, you know, being that business that grew and you didn't really want to because you just happen to take on clients and like, oh, that's the next logical step, kind of being an autopilot. So I really appreciate you sharing that and mentioning that. And was there any other, you know, just as we wrap up here, any other advice or words of encouragement or anything else for you know aspiring entrepreneurs or someone who wants to you know launch their own business or just anyone in general? Yeah, one of the biggest lessons I've learned that I consistently try to tell anyone who would listen, and if I can shout it at the top of anything, I would say, always remember that there's many different ways to think about and actualize your ideas. So a lot of times people get stuck on, no, this is what it is. And it's like, I'll give you an example. You've got a software engineer and you've got a marketer person. And, there, and if you have those two things, you have gold, right? And so if you're a software engineer, you can make anything. So you might be working on a dating app and it might turn out that the technology that you built can actually be used to help save more patients' lives at UCLA Medical Center. Like you might be working on something and you think it's one thing, but it might actually be another thing. And because the thing that you're working on is not working, you're saying to yourself, this thing is not working. It's like, oh, nobody wants it. It's like, what happened? I thought we built something great. It's And it's like, no, you actually did build something great. Take a step back. Look at the technology that you built. Look at what you built. And even if you're not a technology person, just look at the skills that you have. Like really look at them and say, how can this be used across multiple verticals? So one of the things that I did personally on a a personal level was thought about, you know, the voiceover thing was looking at like, you know, I'm telling stories. I read scripts every single day. And so I figured out how to tell a story, how to make something sound convincing. And then how can I use those same skills in another area? And I've essentially just transferred those skills when I'm on stage and I'm talking about a story. I'm lowering my voice to make something sound more serious than it is. Like that kind of stuff. I was like, how can I use this in multiple different areas? And I think any entrepreneur can use that type of stuff, especially 
I meet a lot of people, even in Grid 110, for example, there's a lot of people, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, a marketing person, you know, whatever. You worked at brands or fitness director. You People come from all over and you're worrying whether or not you can actually be an entrepreneur. You're like, am I, am I an entrepreneur? Like, do I have it in me? Like, do, do I? And I find that the people who really wonder that are actually the ones who are the entrepreneurs, right? If you have the self-awareness to wonder those types of things, you're one step closer than a lot of other people because you have that self-awareness about, you know that you want to get better, you know that you want to improve. And so I want people to walk away really kind of realizing that you don't have to do things the way that you thought that you had to do them. There's more, more than one way to do the thing. And then secondly, personally, you can grow. So you can have a growth mindset of saying, I can learn new skills, new behaviors, new talents, and I can use them in other areas. Kareem, this has been a lot of fun. Let people know where they can learn more about you and everything you're working on. You can always follow me on Instagram at Kareem Taylor, K-A-R-E-E-M Taylor. And you can go to KareemTaylor.com. On there, I've got every single type of way to engage with me. But if you go to Instagram, you'll get a chance to see who I am and what I'm about. And you don't even have to work with me. You could just go. Just see if we like each other. Just see if there's synergies. And then you can see if you need me to write some things for you. But first, just see if I'm cool. Yeah, exactly. Get to know Kareem a little bit first. And I will link up all that in the show notes as well. JustGrind.com slash podcast. Kareem, thank you so much for the time today. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Justin, this was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.